Good morning. Today is Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021. In this week's Parsha of Yisro, we have the Aseres Adibros, the Ten Commandments. And there is a beautiful insight from Rabbi Shamshron Fol Hirsch on the structure of these Ten Commandments. First, it's well known, many discuss this, that there were two tablets of stone, so there were five written on one and five on the other. The first five deal with the relationship between man and God, and the second five deal with the relationship between man and man. The first five, Anochi Hashem Lakecha, belief in God, prohibition of idolatry or graven images. It's interesting, uh, Shabbos, observing Shabbos, is something between ourselves and God. And interestingly, number five is honoring parents, which also, maybe you could make the case that it should be in the second five between man and man, but it is also part of our relationship with God. That's a separate discussion. And then the five second set, uh, not to murder, not to steal, not to commit adultery. These are actions, prohibitions between one person and another. Rabbi Hirsch points out, though, that the structure of each five differs in a very interesting way. Because if you look at how the first five are presented, and then you look at how the second five are presented, there is an inverse order that goes like this. In the first five, which deal with the relationship between God and man, the first starts with the most conceptual. I am the Lord your God. That is something that we are supposed to believe and know and understand. It's cerebral. And then the prohibition against idolatry, which also is something that is conceptual, cerebral. But it flows down when we get to four and five to practical. Observe Shabbos. Honor your parents. So the flow of the first five is from the conceptual to the practical. If we turn to the other five, the second five, the five that relate to between man and man, the order is reversed. It starts, do not murder, steal, commit adultery with concrete specific actions and then ends the list with do not covet. Don't want something that your fellow has, which is purely conceptual. So the second five run from the practical to the conceptual, the opposite order of the first five. Rabbi Shamshur Ful Hirsch explains this difference in the following way. He says that when it comes to our relationship with God, obviously that relationship starts in an abstract and conceptual manner because the only way we have of relating to God is in an abstract, conceptual manner. But God commands us 
And Judaism insists that our belief in God cannot remain conceptual and intellectual. It must be translated into concrete physical actions. For example, observing the Shabbos, which recognizes God as the creator. Honoring parents, which recognizes that God is our ultimate parent. But it's got to flow from the conceptual, which is instinctive, intuitive, but it has to flow into concrete action. At the same time, when it comes to our actions between ourselves and others, it starts with the practical. Here's how you have to act. Do this. Don't do that. But we can't be left with actions alone. We have to make sure that the actions influence our character, influence who we are. They have to have a conceptual influence on our lives so that not only are we told do this and don't do this action, but we are also told, but this is how I want you to be. This is how I want you to feel and think. So therefore, on the first side, between God and man, we don't want a person just to have a good heart or a good mind. It has to come into action. And on the second hand, we don't want a person just to do the right thing or avoid the wrong thing, but also to become the refined personality that doesn't want to do, that doesn't look for or is tempted by what others have. That's the order. And the number 10, lo sachmod, do not covet, is highly important because this number 10 will be the culmination of the entire list. And a person could well think to themselves, well, you're commanding me, God, about not having a certain feeling. How is that even possible? Don't want what someone else has. How am I supposed to control what I want? It's one thing to say, even if you want something that's wrong, don't do it. Okay, that I understand. But to say, don't even want it, says the Sefer HaChinuch, Rabbi Aharon of Barcelona, what this mitzvah comes to teach you is that this is what God does expect of us. And if there is a mitzvah like this, by definition, we are capable of it. God expects from us, and therefore we are capable of being able to control what we want, even without any action. So what we have is really this list, which represents the entirety of the commandments that God commands us. It's kind of an outline of all 613 commandments, but it represents the extent of what God is asking from us. God asks from us that we believe certain things and reject other beliefs, that we do certain actions and reject other actions, and that we feel and want certain things and refrain from feeling and wanting other things. And that's how it culminates by the, ex by the completion, by how far God commands 
and expects, uh, expects us to live up to that. Now, when we do a mitzvah, any mitzvah, we should feel pride. We should feel gratification that we have lived up to what God expects of us. And not everyone will have that. But when we do a mitzvah, we should recognize we have done something that God expects and is pleased with. And we should feel proud of every single mitzvah that we do. So I want to share with you a story. I shared this with some of you before. It's an amazing story that is told by Rabbi Malik Biederman. And it goes like this. There was once a young man living in Israel, a student, a scholar, and he agreed to study with a younger man who did not have the benefit of Jewish education, but wanted to uh, learn, wanted to grow as a Jew, did not have any background. He also didn't have any money to pay this tutor. So this scholar agreed as a chesed, as an act of kindness, that, um, that he would study an hour and a half every day. That's quite a commitment. An hour and a half every day that he would study with this young fellow, teaching him the rudiments of Judaism and helping him to grow, to progress in his Jewish understanding and practice. Okay, it's an amazing act of kindness, selflessness, generosity. Okay. This young man who comes to study every day comes with his pockets filled with sunflower seeds. Now, sunflower seeds, garinim, are a very common uh, snack in Israel. You may be aware sometimes how the Israelis, they take them, they chew them, they spit them out. Okay, it's an Israeli thing. One day, the scholar who's teaching the younger man comes to study and he had not had a chance to eat anything all day. And he was very hungry and, and he just, he couldn't concentrate on the lesson that he was teaching this younger fellow. So he said to this younger fellow, could I please have some garinim? Could I please have some of your, your sunflower seeds? I just, I'm, I'm, I'm very hungry. And could I have some garinim? And this young man says, no, I don't share my garinim. They're just for me. So the man says, but I haven't eaten all day. And by the way, you know, I'm doing this favor for you. I mean, I'm studying with you an hour and a half every day. You're not paying me anything. I come in one day and I'm just, I'm hungry. You have a whole pocket full of garinim. What do they cost? 15 cents. Give me some garinim so I can just get through this lesson. Man says no. It bothered him. It bothered him. You know, you're doing a kindness for a person and at a moment when you yourself need a slight favored nothing, some seeds, nothing, and the guy says no after all that you're doing for him, 
So he started gradually cutting shorter the amount of time that he studied. Oh, I have to go. I have an appointment. It was started as an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes. It started to get shorter and shorter. After about two weeks, he stopped the learning. It just stopped. It just, something bothered him. It was, it's a chutzpah. And he just couldn't get over it. I mean, how could you not? I mean, a stranger would ask you for some garinim. How could you just say no? I'm, they're for me. I, I can't share. A couple weeks went by and this young man called the scholar to say, why did we stop studying? I was enjoying it. I was benefiting from it. And, and the young man says, maybe you're upset that I didn't give you the garinim, the seeds. So the young man says, please come to my house. I have to explain something to you and you have to come to my house. So <laughs> it's also another imposition, right? You, you didn't do me a favor. You didn't share the seeds and now you want me to come to your house so you can explain to me why you're not sharing the seeds. Okay. But he went, traveled to this young man's apartment and he came into the kitchen and in the kitchen, he opens up the young man living there, opens up the cabinets and every single cabinet is filled with giant canisters of garinim, of sunflower seeds. So this scholar thinks to himself, this fellow needs professional help. There's something, there's something psychologically unbalanced about somebody who his whole kitchen is literally filled with canisters, giant canisters of thousands and thousands of seeds, and he won't share them with anybody. But the young man then explains, and he says as follows. When I started out my journey to try to learn more about Judaism, to try to act in a more Jewish manner, it was very hard for me. I had temptations. I wasn't brought up this way to keep Shabbos, to keep kosher. I had temptations and they were overwhelming. And to do a mitzvah, to avoid doing a sin, just Everything was a struggle. It just, it wasn't going well. So someone gave me a piece of advice. They said to me, when you get up in the morning, load your left pocket with garinim, fill your pocket with sunflower seeds. And every time during the day that you put forth an effort to do a mitzvah, to overcome a temptation, to push through even though you don't want to do it. Every single positive act that you do, take one seed from your left pocket and put it into your right pocket. <clears throat> At the end of the day, take all the seeds that are in your right pocket and put them into a jar and peep it in your kitchen. Sounded kind of strange, but this young man decided to do it. So every morning he fills his left pocket with garinim, 
every mitzvah that he is able to do, temptation he is able to overcome, he takes a seed and puts it in his right pocket. At the end of the day, he empties his right pocket and he starts filling up these large containers. And pretty soon, his kitchen is filled with these large containers and every one of them represents every mitzvah that he did, every temptation that he overcame, every good deed that he managed with difficulty to perform, every struggle that he had in serving God from the time that he started until today. And I can come into this room now at the end of each day and I see when I empty my right pocket and put it into one of the jars, I see the accumulation. I feel tremendous satisfaction, tremendous accomplishment. Every one of these canisters filled with thousands of seeds represents a mitzvah that I did with difficulty, with effort. And it gives me strength and it gives me inspiration to keep going, to keep struggling to add to the total. So that day, all the seeds were already in my right pocket. The reason I couldn't give them to you, it's not because I didn't want to share them. It's because they were not for eating. Those seeds were already there to represent the mitzvot that I had done that day and to add to the canister, to be able to see the complete effect of my listening to what God says. Not such a crazy idea. And the scholar, of course, was mightily impressed and certainly understood why those garinim meant something that he did not understand. It's a good idea for every one of us. In a literal sense, if you want to invest in garinim, or in a metaphoric sense, at the very least, to have that feeling, I did this mitzvah. I satisfied God who commanded me. I have lived up in this moment to what God expects of me. And I am proud of that. To feel that satisfaction and the pride in the accomplishment would be to be inspired by the Ten Commandments. This Shabbos, when we hear them read in the Torah, in Shul, if we're in Shul, or if we read them at home, we should try to feel that sense of pride in accomplishment every time we live up to any of God's expectations. My friends, I want to wish you a great day filled with mitzvahs, and sunflower seeds in your right pocket. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person. Let me take you off of mute. I'd love to hear what you think. Has anyone else tried the Garinim method? Very encouraging, very encouraging. I need them, okay. Okay, George. But, but to, to have some way to see how far we've come, uh, very often,
we living day by day don't recognize the immense strides that we're taking and often it requires something external just to remind us we have done an amazing job. Well, that's an important lesson. And I think that uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I don't think that it becomes less of a struggle. I think as we go through life, the struggles, if anything, become more. At a certain point, a person could say, listen, listen, I already davened a couple of times this week. So, so why do I have to do it every day? I already gave tzedakah today. So why do I have to do it again now? I already told the truth once. Why should I have to do it all day long? I think some, in, in some sense, the struggles become more significant um, the, the, the more we've progressed. Yes, exactly. It's a visualization of accomplishment. And, and it's seeing the success. Yes. It's exactly true. Exactly true. When, when you're able to see the accomplishment, it's tremendously empowering. Yeah. And it gives you the strength to, to work harder at it. Yeah. It's a great story. Yes, Adriana. I think that's a great idea. I think, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. There are many, many different ways to apply this. And I think that that's a wonderful idea. Sure. Sure. Each person should apply it the way that they want. Yes. And he has a YouTube video where he suggests an anger journal. Yes. 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 Very nice. The other thing is that, you know, it says like a mitzvah, one mitzvah that you do leads you to the next mitzvah. So whatever you do, it's going to lead you in that direct direction. Yes. It will lead you to the opportunity. Yeah. But you still have to. You, you still have to do the work to, to fulfill it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The work is daily, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Have, have a great day, everyone. Thank you very much. Great day. Bye. Good.